This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hello, cake lovers and Dinner SOS listeners. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner or whatever else you happen to be making. Today, we're talking baking, and baking cakes specifically. My colleague Shilpa Iskokovic has been up in the test kitchen for months and months developing delicious new cake recipes. That's right, many months. I made five cakes, and you can read all about them at bonappetit.com. We'll link to the article in the show notes, but Shilpa, what have you come here to tell us today? Well, I'm going to tell you my top five tips for successful cake baking and give you some guidance on how to stock your pantry for any baking project. Then we'll answer your cake questions. Shilpa, you've been baking a lot of cakes. So many cakes. Can you give me like your top five actionable tips and takeaways for the folks back home? The most important one is using a scale. I don't think that's a surprise, especially no, coming no from me. Especially coming from me, but um, that is my number one tip when you're baking. I mean, regardless, whatever you're baking. Um, if you ever thought you can't bake, or if you have baked and it's turned out weird, or if it's turned out really well once and then it's been terrible the next time, basically if it's inconsistent, you're probably not using a scale. A digital scale is great because it's accurate, first of all. Second, for people who hate doing dishes like me, it just makes cleanup so much easier. You're not going through... You can literally assemble ingredients... You could. ...in the same bowl because you can basically, like, negate each addition and Mm -hmm. then, like, weigh the sort of next ingredient as it comes into the bowl. Exactly. Just to be clear. Yes. You tear the scale out and then you add ingredients. Tear... T-A-R-E means like reset to zero, mm-hmm. negating the weight of the bowl, whatever ingredients are there. Yes. And it's consistent. You're using chocolate chips in a recipe, for instance, okay? Mini chocolate chips occupy a different volume than, say, bigger chocolate chips like chocolate fevs or rounds. So then one cup of mini chocolate chips isn't equal to one cup of other shaped chips. Yes. Um, Which, you know, in the context of chocolate chips, maybe more chocolate chips is not a bad thing, but sometimes it could make or break a recipe. And in that case using a scale gives you that consistent amount no matter what. So it also allows you to be flexible to a certain extent um, within your recipes. So number one tip, use a scale. You can never go wrong. Second tip, I feel like I'm going to get some flack for, but it's a very obvious one, which is use the ingredients that the recipe calls for. <laughs> I, I You just... ask the impossible. <laughs> it can't be done. Truly. Listen, there's a reason why recipe developers, you know, we go through a lot of effort to come up with a recipe that works for everyone in every home kitchen as much as possible. So my point is 
baking is something extra. It's a luxury. It's a desire. It's, you know, you don't have to bake, but you just want to bake because it's something fun. So for something that is not extremely essential, I think go the distance, you know, do what you have to to get the end result. Why would I bake a cake that's just half as good as it could be? Yeah. Because I don't want to go to the store. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. Ingredients are big for me. Okay. The next one is there is such a thing as overmixing when it comes to a cake, which I think is a point that not a lot of us focus on. Um, and it can happen in two aspects. One, the obvious one, where you, after you add the dry ingredients, you mix. And if you overmix, then of course, I think most of us know it becomes too tough because there's too much gluten developed, etc. But to me, what's most interesting is, you know, when most cakes like cream ingredients, when they beat the butter and sugar together, and then you add the eggs one by one, and then you beat it till it's creamy, fluffy, etc. You can overcream. And you can overbeat at that stage. And when you do, your cake can be very crumbly and dry. Mm. Uh, so overmixing is a thing, and you have to pay attention to that. Okay, with that, number four is Christopher's favorite trick, which is using a thermometer to temp your cakes and to know when they're done baking. Or you can touch the cake. <laughs> To know when it's done uh, baking. Essentially, what I'm trying to tell you is quit using the toothpick or skewer to test your cake, okay? Don't. Um, Because general wisdom is, oh, put the toothpick or skewer in and then if it comes out clean, or some people are nice enough to say if it comes out with a few moist crumbs attached, it's done. Few moist crumbs, that's a good one. You know, that's, that's fine. But when you say it can come out clean... It could be 20 minutes past the time that it's done and could still come out clean. It could be just done and can come out clean. It's inconsistent. It's terrible. It's setting you up for failure. All right. Touch your cake. You touch the top of the cake. Yes, when it's in the oven, Chris. Do not glare. No, no, no. Um, (laughs) I I, I don't disagree with you. Mm Mm-hmm. You keep going. Keep going. Talk talk about the touch test. (laughs) You touch the, you know, you use your index finger or whatever, to um, touch the center top surface of the cake. Just gently press it down, and if it springs back, it's done. Or you as can, opposed to, you know, creating a divot that holds. As, correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can feel it gently bouncing uh, against your fingertip, and then, you know, it's done. Or you can do what I prefer to do, which is um, check it with a thermometer. And usually for cakes, that's around 200 Fahrenheit. Number five. Number five is... Um, Preparing your pan properly. Like a lot of people use like nonstick sprays yes. for greasing. Yeah, okay. You, wow. Okay, oh I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. Your face just did something horrible. It did, it did, it did. Because here's the thing. Use the spray. I love a spray, but don't use the... The regular spray. Yeah, use the, the baking Baker's spray. Joy. Yes. Uh, use the baking spray that has the flour mixed in. Because that does two things. A, obviously, you know, it'll always make sure it turns out. And two, there's something about that coating that will give you like a really shiny finish as well. Which for most cakes, it doesn't matter because you're flipping and you might be frosting. But in the case of a bundt cake, for instance, it makes a big difference. Um, And I love uh, bakers. I love a nonstick spray with the flour in it yeah. for baking. That is that is a really nice product. Mm. Adding a little bit of grease to the bottom of a cake pan means the parchment just sticks down really nicely in there. You're not wrong. You know. But you're not right. But 
Anyway, I, let's conclude. That's, that's like a victory in a conversation with Shilpa. <laughs> so let's go, I can, the, the I can dine out on that one. <laughs> Drinks are on me. What? Oh yeah, but the point is, yes, prepare your pan properly. Always yeah. use, always use parchment. Have regardless. the pan ready. I mean, my God, oh, again, God, yes. like Shilpa, there's like an, an order of magnitude to the importance of like certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and just for everybody out there, just like before you start mixing things, prepare the pan yes. and turn your oven on. Yes, and that's like eighty five percent. Oh of the yes, game. yes. Those were my five tips. Thank you. All right, we are going to take a short break and then we'll be back with all the tools you need on hand for baking. And then we'll answer some listener questions. Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the test kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription, including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's SOS20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So, Shilpa, top tools to have on hand. Like, we talked a lot about ingredients, and we touched on tools to an extent. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your top things you've just got to have if you want to bake? Well, number one is obviously a digital scale. That goes without saying, considering that I think that's, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for baking in general. So, a digital scale... um, Two sets of measuring spoons I'm going to go with. Yeah, one. And take the measuring spoons off the damn ring. Oh. Have them separated from each other. Oh, you're like shaking your head. No, I'm I not think sh- you should separate them. <laughs> okay, that's fair. You can get behind yeah. that? Yeah, I can get behind that. I okay. actually, because I was Approved trying to think. under duress. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was trying to think because at work, they're on a ring at here, but at home, I do have them off the ring. Yeah. Why Why is the, the, the tablespoon going along for the ride with, the like, the one-eighth teaspoon measure? Yes, Chris is right. You're okay. right. But take, take, take them off the ring. Take them off the ring. But you have to have two. Parchment paper. Yes. Parchment paper is not wax paper. No. Parchment Absolutely paper not. is its oh own thing. Oh, okay. You need parchment paper. You need parchment paper. And you need to look for the one that says silicone parchment sheets. There's something else called, I think it's pronounced Quilon. I cannot confirm or deny this information. Oh, I know the information is correct. I just don't know how to pronounce the word. (laughs) Cool. I was thinking any parchment paper was better than no parchment paper. Oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. The thing about using a silicone parchment sheet is that you can reuse it multiple times. Like, you mean literally like a silpat? No, no, no. 
Christopher. I don't know what you're even talking about right okay, now. Okay, parchment paper is parchment paper because it's coated with something. All right, it's not just not some magic paper. So the coating has to be silicone, not the other one that I can't pronounce, which is Quilon or whatever the hell okay. it is. Okay. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, a basic set of cake pans. To me, that's two eight-inch round pans. Nonstick. Not. No, I I don't prefer nonstick pans uh, because they're generally darker and that can affect how cakes bake. I do like a nonstick bunt pan, but for other cakes, no, I prefer regular heavy-duty aluminum pans. Okay. Uh, so eight-inch round, not nine-inch, eight-inch rounds, uh, two inches high. And then I think everybody needs... Springform? We stand divided on that. I I have a springform, but I have never you really used use it. You don't springform pans. I don't really. You okay. do. Yeah. Don't you? I grew up with them. Mm. I find like they have a nice tall side and, Fair. you know, the, the supermarket regular degular eight inch ones are mm-hmm. usually pretty short, you know. Um, so it's like becomes like a little bit of like more of like a specialty baker's item to have a straight sided round tall eight inch oh. pan. But a lot of this is subjective, right? Yeah. In terms I mean, of what I, we think people have, right? Yeah. I don't think I've ever bought my cake pans in a supermarket. So um, I'm just saying, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, okay. Never Welcome mind. Welcome to the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> you need a 9 by 13, a metal one with straight sides. That's always a plus. Again, that's like a specialty baker's item in some Yes, worlds, I agree. You know, like a 9 by 13 metal, not glass. Yes. Is is the difference here. And things really do bake differently between metal and glass. Oh, yes. Worlds differently. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, a glass pan conducts heat differently. And then you have to change the temperature, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then you need a square pan, 8 or 9 square inch. Metal. Yes, metal. Always metal. Uh, you need half sheet pans, commercial half sheet pan, like heavy duty aluminum one. I would say a minimum of two. Um, something that you don't agree with or have is wire racks. <laughs> no, I agree, mm. and I should have it. Mm. I just don't. You know what? It, your birthday just passed. Perhaps, I, you know what? Perhaps. It turns out I have a half sheet rack up in the top of my cabinet. Oh, uh, at home, which is really exciting. Okay. Your past self was better prepared. Yeah. Um, They're really handy. I mean, for like hot stuff on countertops, like meaning pans, yeah. as well as baked goods. Yeah. They're tiny. You fry food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a wire rack is great. Yeah. Again, have at least two, I think. Um, what else? Oh, uh, offset spatulas. Small offset spatulas, indispensable. I have them in metal and plastic. Because those are good. Wait. It's a plastic, plastic offset, offset spatula, spatula, not just plastic handle. Like even the blade part is plastic. Because when you want to like um, unmold cakes from, let's say, bunt pans or whatever, which might have a nonstick coating, you don't want to put a metal spatula Ooh. in there. So Tasty. Um, That's new to me. That's great. <laughs> yes. Um, a small offset spatula, which is great for all kinds of things, you know, picking up cookies, unmolding cakes, smoothing batters, frosting cakes. Yeah, really indispensable. Couldn't do without them. For bonus points, I would say have a cake turntable. Um, if you can frost cakes, which I really can't, uh, it really goes a long way towards helping you get a better product. Um because it spins as you're frosting the cake, so you can get much more even frosting. Mm, thermometer, 
We already spoke about this. And I think the last one that I have is having Cambros, which are, I guess... Mm, are- a Cambro is like a very heavy-duty mm, yeah. food storage container made out of um, probably something like around like polycarbonate, you know, some like incredibly hard and tough plastic. plastic. But they're nice because they're square generally. They're not always, but they're square, which means they fit better into mm-hmm. rectangular cabinets and drawers and things and uh, yeah anyway we're gonna get into our listener questions now let's hear from our first caller hello my name is harley and i would love some help on learning how to make a caramel cake i try to make one every christmas eve and have for many years I've used all kinds of recipes, and even though the cake always turns out pretty good, the icing is just an abject disaster. It hardens or tears up the cake, and I can't spread it, and I cannot figure out what I'm doing wrong um, because I've tried it so many times. So I would love a good recipe that would help me with this and some tips, more importantly. Thank you. Bye. Caramel cake is an interesting one. It's pretty complex. Um, and it's usually like yellow cake layers, multiple. I didn't even know it's a thing. Oh, okay. It's a very <laughs> southern thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Gathering. it's like multiple layers sandwiched with the caramel frosting, which is unique because it's almost like a soft caramel. You know, like how yeah. you make soft caramel, you cook like butter, sugar, etc., together in a pan and then you pour it over while it's still warm. So I can see where that part is difficult, use a thermometer. That could be the one. For the caramel. Meaning it's, you think it's too tight, so it's like kind of pulling at the sides of the cake and shredding it. Yeah, it's probably cooking a hair more than it needs to. um, And it's seizing up. You know, not knowing too many of the other facts, I would say uh, temperature is a big one when it comes to caramel cake. Maybe cook it a little bit um, less so that it remains a bit more fluid and um, spread it on the cake. And the cake's got to be like, cool, right? I mean, like, warm cake, very tender, you know, yes, sort of friable sure. texture. Excellent. Wow, someone's really <laughs> hit the dictionary today. Um, <laughs> yes, it has to be a cool cake. Anyway, I think the biggest factor in play here is temperature. And if you have a reliable thermometer, like a thermopin, um, it would go a long way towards yeah. your cake success. And just, like, thin it out, you know, and just, like, Gotta gotta cool the cake down. I don't know. Also, mm. like the notion of a crumb coat, mm. like, does that apply in a caramel cake? Not for this. No. Not for this. Yeah, it just sets. I just gotta get you. it on there. Yeah, spackle it as best spackle. as you can. Yeah, pour and spackle. Oh my god, this sounds <laughs> well, intense. Caramel cake coming to Bon Appetit. Yeah. No, Very we're gonna soon. we're gonna get on this. We're gonna figure <laughs> it out and stay tuned. Okay, Shilpa. This is a question from Susie Taylor of Harbor Grace, Newfoundland. I do not like desserts with fruit. Do you have any suggestions for fruit cakes that don't involve wet fruit globs in the cake? Like, who wants gross hunks of cold apple in a cake? I don't understand. My partner of 25 plus years occasionally produces these oddities. And fruit pie. What is with fruit pie? If it isn't lemon meringue, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have a thing or two to say about fruit pies. Oh, my God. Well, okay. (laughs) You love a fruit pie. I love Mm -hmm. a fruit pie. 
I absolutely adore a fruit pie because I like desserts on the savory end of the spectrum. And anything in a pie crust really does it for me. Mm. It can't be too sweet. So like the whole like lemon meringue, clouds and meringue on everything. I, I hate that shit. I oh, cannot stand it. Never mind. No, just like mm-hmm. it's too much. I just want the lemon. Mm. I want custard. Or I want like chocolate, but I need savory. Mm. But I get that. To the extent that like I, I remember my pitch for summer oven, how, yes. like the case for baking yes, in August. Yes, whatever happened. Oh, they hated it. <laughs> they hated it. I was like, crank up the AC. <laughs> what What does it matter? A 12,000 like, BTU AC, that's the trick, but yes. <laughs> but it's just like, it just got, I mean, whatever. It's like we're never allowed to bake in the months when the fruit's good. But I, we have to bake in months where the fruit is not like existent or bad. And AKA why apples are in everything, because you can always get a decent apple, more or less. More or less. So <laughs> fruitcakes that don't involve wet fruit, what are you thinking my mind automatically went actually to the one that I developed, the raspberry cream cake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's a fruit cake. You know, it's fruit tea, but it doesn't have bits of fruit in the cake. It's like a vanilla chiffon cake layers, and then it's coated with this raspberry whipped cream. Yeah. And I think it might just answer Susie's question and desire got for dehydrated raspberries blitz to a powder. Yes. That's- go into a stabilized whipped cream? Uh, the the, the freeze-dried raspberries that get blended, because it's hygroscopic, it really stabilizes the cream so well. That you um, don't need, like, gelatin or nothing, anything else? Nothing, and it stays firm and beautiful for a few days. Um, and, yes, there are fresh raspberries, like, between the layers. But, you know, Susie doesn't want it. Susie can get rid of them. I think it's interesting because it's a fruity cake, mm-hmm. right? More mm-hmm. than it's a fruit cake. Correct. And speaking of the the caramel apple snacking cake from mm. Zainab, yeah. um, that was great because the apple is shredded. Yes. So it kind of hints at the flavor of a caramel apple, mm-hmm. like the most like hyped sh- dessert of all time. I don't think I've ever had one. Of course, there's no reason to. Oh, okay. They're terrible. Mm. They're like good for maybe one bite. Mm. And then it gets in somebody's hair and then you have to go home because you got to like put peanut butter in the hair and like try to oh, like get is that the caramel it? out. I think so. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I feel like peanut butter is first. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. that was like what we did in the era before the internet. I wonder if like, <laughs> you know, I wonder if, the, if it's changed. held up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's another great one since the fruit disappears. But fruit yeah. in things, I mean... Come on, like, what are we doing here? I mean, I kind of get where Susie is coming from. I, I do understand. Wait, listen to me. When where the she's fr- coming from is Newfoundland, okay? <laughs> no, but and I she do. she doesn't like fruit pies, so. Yeah. Fine, we'll dock a point off for that. However, I do understand the wet globs of fruit okay. thing. You know, there's nothing worse than when like a, there's a, a strawberry chunk. baked into a thing and it's like it has like a gooey layer around exuded moisture to no clear benefit no it's just yeah i mean listen like yeah. not every fruit can take the treatment no you know there's a reason why it's like a blueberry muffin not a strawberry muffin correct right yes yeah yeah so there is something to be said for susie's dislike right. of uh wet fruit globs we hear you susie <laughs> We're going to take one more short break and we'll be back to finish answering all those listener questions. Ah. 
Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator, and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well-being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life, and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you're knee-deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears, and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of Conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning. Two more. Finish strong. This is from Jamie. I won't bury the lead. My wife, Laura, has celiac disease and also cannot eat eggs or dairy without significant discomfort. She has a single tried and true chocolate cake recipe that uses unsweetened applesauce as an egg replacer cashew milk, and Bob's Red Mill GF baking mix. It works decently well and creates a moist, fudgy cake that might be closer to brownie without the creaming step or melted chocolate. This was great until we wanted something other than chocolate cake. We've tried a few odd recipes, like the Minimalist Baker's Funfetti, for example, and are never quite satisfied. I tried to make the BA Blueberry Buckle in a GF vegan fashion with underwhelming results. We would love some tips, tricks, or advice and recommendations for what we can make or modify to get us at least one more non-chocolate cake recipe in our repertoire. Baking for her vexes me. I can imagine. That's a, that's a lot of things. The eggs. Um, yeah, because they do so much. They're adding structure. They're providing aeration. You know, it's interesting that Jamie specifically requests a non-chocolate cake, and it's interesting that he has success with a chocolate cake because... That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, yes. Yeah. Cocoa powder is very starchy, and then when you cook it, even when you don't have any like flour yeah. and gluten, when you cook cocoa powder, which is so starchy, it kind of sets and becomes this thermo-irreversible gel, so to speak, and then... It has structure. Thermal, irreversible <laughs> gel, so to speak. <laughs> well, that is what it is, though. I love that. Um, so chocolate cakes in particular work really well for this application. Anyway, at first I thought this was an impossible ask, but I recently remembered we cross-tested in the test kitchen Chrissy Tracy's vegan banana bread, which really might hit everything that Jamie everything. asks for. It is dairy-free, obviously, because it's vegan. It does have all-purpose flour, so it's not gluten-free, but I feel like that can be very easily rectified. I would say use the Bob's Red Mill one-to-one -one baking yes. mix. Do yes. not use the Bob's Red Mill gluten-free flour blend. Yes, because... The one-to-one -one is going to have, um, you know, like a stabilizer, like a xanthan yeah. gum or something in it. It's going to have some starches in it. Yes. Um, it's going to work much more similar to an all-purpose flour. Mm -hmm. Yes. When you're, Yeah, that's a great tip, actually. When you're looking for a gluten-free blend, definitely look for one that includes xanthan gum because that's going to give structure and hold your cake together. And also make sure that the first ingredient is not chickpea flour. Oh. It should be something neutral like a rice flour. Um, rather than chickpea flour, it's going to just taste too grassy and weird. Gritty. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 problem. I mean, chickpea flour. Don't don't get us wrong. In other applications, oh. it's like totally dynamite. One hundred percent. You know, but in just standard baking recipes, like yeah. it just shows up like a fart in a car. <laughs> After you had egg salad sandwiches. Yes, thank you, Shofa, <laughs> for finishing that thought. Yes, so 
let's finish on a more pleasant note. Chrissy's hey, banana. <laughs> I just, I, why not just put it out there? We could dance around it all afternoon. Right? Chrissy's banana bread. It's good. It's great. Okay. Last one. Big finish. Andrew. Hello. I'm a big fan of the show and had a question or concern about cake. I love cake. It's the best. But I find the average American cake eating scenario to be very uncomfortable. Usually it's hot outside, like a birthday picnic or barbecue or a wedding, and you're already boozed up or wearing nice clothes or some other environment where I'm socializing and don't want to stand and hold a piece of cake while talking to people. I hear you there. It always feels ridiculous. So here's your challenge. I love cake and want to eat it too, but I don't want to eat it in any of the above scenarios. For someone like me, what are some other scenarios and or recipes to enjoy and share cake? No cupcakes or cake pops allowed. Wait, so is the challenge wants to eat cake, but doesn't want to have to eat it with a fork and a plate, but still wants cake? Or does he want not cake? I how'd you interpret that question? I I interpreted it. Yeah. What do you got? As someone who is not making cakes for themselves. And I'm like, why are you waiting for a wedding or summer to eat cake? Yeah. Why yeah, are you just right. not making cake every week? And there's your problem solved. The cake you can make yourself, yeah. chances are, is better than most of what you can buy. Yes. Most places. Most places. Or that you will be eating out most places. I agree. A lot of those cakes are coming out of production kitchens that, like, let's just say, like, quality is not job number one. And even if it's like, oh, it's like real buttercream. You know what? Real buttercream kind of sucks. Thank you. Thank you. I hate buttercream. So <laughs> wow, have you agreed for the first to, like, thing? It's like we're like, <laughs> like, kind of like, you know, sort of like deep cover subversives who like have to like kind of like do like a special sign to like because mm. I feel like you say you hate buttercream real buttercream in the wrong company people oh, look yeah. at you with like quite a bit of side You're like eye a peasant uh, no buttercream sucks um, it's horrible it's like, it's you, like your cold. body can't process that much butter it's like a cold stick of butter but sweet but sweet Ugh. no no there's a reason why I didn't well do I no, I don't. I don't think I have any actual like buttercream, buttercream recipes in my cake story. No. Oh, damn. I don't know that I would have let you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, even if you wanted to. Great. I'm you glad have we have this quality anyway. control. And then we could have fought about it, which would have been great. <laughs> which is not unusual. Yeah. Um, this, yeah, I feel like you need to be making cake for yourself. And I hear you, but that's like, that speaks to like, how are you supposed to eat in public? Oh, God. Anyway, yeah. how are you supposed to hold a drink and a plate of food? Okay, anyway? I need to know how people manage that because that's really hard. You, you, you got to have a stemware, right? Okay, you need yeah. stemware through the fingers, mm. same hand holding the plate. That's asking one. Other <laughs> hand of me. is holding the fork yeah, no. and gesticulating wildly, <laughs> right? That's how the Italians Apparently. do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, it's not about like, don't like bring a cupcake to a barbecue. Don't like try to outthink the scenario. Yeah. In the game of situational cake. Yes. Right? Which is, yeah. Which is kind of the Our premise story. of your entire cake story. Yeah. Which is like, what is the right cake for you if you are dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. Entertaining. Yep. Doing a birthday party. 
Yeah. Looking for a project in the kitchen. Yeah, here's the thing, Andrew. Bake yourself a cake. Bake you know, sit cake. on the bake couch in your underwear and she eat your cake. It. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, all well, right. Andrew, here's permission from us let for us you to eat cake. Bake. Call in. <laughs> yeah, let us know how it goes. If you have a dinner emergency or just a quick question, write to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, plus the rest of the Bon Appetit recipe archive on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. They're also linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Condé Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co-host this week is Shilpa Askokovic. This episode was produced by Jordan Bell with production support from Michelle O'Brien and Leah Kasher. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Jake Loomis is our engineer. We'll be back next week with an ode to the appliance that you're probably underusing. Maybe once every other month, I'll spend a few hours on the weekend and cook you know, 15 or 20 meals and stick them in the freezer and I'm getting stuck in a rut and don't really know how to turn many recipes into freezer meals. And when he saw what he had done, (laughs) Alexander wept for there were no more worlds to conquer, Shilpa. That's what I'm talking about. From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.